0: This is Moss Whelan, and Story in Mind. So just getting out for an afternoon walk, and just getting over to the gate. So what is it today? The Gate of Paradise? Uh, I think we're halfway we are we are into deepest, darkest December there's a bit of grey in the sky I think I'll just walk by the guard dog and uh, see what's shaking I talked about uh, Threshold Guardians and they don't necessarily have to be you know, where at the end of Act 1 Threshold Guardians can be uh, anywhere you want no sign of the doggy it must be truly winter uh, if the, if the dog is uh, i guess staying staying warm i think the last time i saw the dog was uh, it was look, looking a bit sleepy and uh, i don't think dogs hibernate I, I miss the sound of the dogs uh, <laughs> barking. Uh, not really. Uh, but it does re- remind me of a dog that uh, my uh, parents had, and I have, I have that kind of sensibility. Some people don't uh, operate well around uh, dogs or pets. We had a pet raccoon as well. The story behind that was that a a biology friend um, uh, was given a number of baby raccoons. Uh, The mother had been shot. That a a homeowner had had shot the mother and apparently didn't want to... uh, you know, do the same to the uh, raccoon babies. So, uh, in s- just some way or another, it, it just turned out that we got this uh, raccoon, this baby raccoon. And so we took care of it. Uh, it spent most of its time in uh, a cage or a box of one sort of or another. It got quite a big cage in the backyard. And it was al always uh, feral to one degree or another. We attempted to take it out for walks, but uh, it would uh, freak out. Uh, and, and dogs would freak out when it's when they saw the raccoon or smelled it, and uh, it would rush over to a tree and climb the tree. You know, I sort of we had the leash, and uh, eventually we let it go because it uh, it got it just it was just too um, i think i think there was a bite involved somebody got bit and it was kind of the last straw and it it wasn't a, it wasn't like a, the relationship wasn't like a dog say eventually after that we did get a, a dog but it was very interesting um, being around a raccoon And, you know, hearing its voice, it would have a trill, Uh, and just say things you don't normally see or associate with raccoons. And the whole hand washing thing, or washing the food, that's so interesting. Threshold guardians. I'm thinking of griffins, I, I'm, I'm writing a story with a griffin but uh, part of the symbolism with griffins is that they, or the, the mythology of them, is that they guard treasure and that can be viewed uh, in, in one way or another. Uh, sort of getting into well, what is treasure? Uh, why why guard, you know, that thing? Some some crass, classic, crassy classic, uh, classic guardians. I think it was uh, Little John who's guarding a bridge, and that's you know from Robin Hood. And the character of Little John is actually this giant of a guy. And he fights with Robin Hood uh, to pass, uh, to cross cross this, I guess, river, use this bridge. And it always seemed like it was a bit of turf, like um, Little John was a kind of gangster. And uh, sort of ex, I can't. I don't think he was asking for any money. He was just blocking the way. There was a bit of bravado or machismo. Uh, you know, like these these two guys flexing their muscles and "Oh, you're not going to come through this way. This is, you know, this is my this is my turf." And Robin Hood uh takes the challenge oh okay. let's do this thing but I I always wondered about those uh, those folks just recently I saw The Nutcracker and The Four Realms I think they called it this recent Walt Disney uh, movie it's actually pretty good but don't tell anybody. It's a bit of a Christmas movie. It's happening on Christmas Eve. It involves presents and presents and gifts and adventure. It's got it's got a level of cheese to it, uh, but it's got some it's got some great moments and. I, I wanted more clockwork. I was like, More clockwork! <laughs> they had great stuff like wind-up uh, wind-up toys. And yeah, so uh, but there was some moments in there where there was this guardian um, I think he was the nutcracker and Sometimes it's hard to tell. Uh, It it was great because there's this... There were a number of... uh, Like, say, uh, I know the the main actor. Oh, gosh, the name is escaping me. African American. And, oh, no, I can't believe I've forgotten the name. But, you know... Shawshank Redemption uh, he was God in the Jim Carrey movie he's got that the voice uh, I first saw him in the electric company kids TV show years ago but anyway so, so here he is in a European movie I don't think he even bothered to do his accent which got me thinking of you know oh wow you know, where's this guy from you know what's this this guy's got this story he's got an eye patch and but the actual guardian uh does have an accent and I, and I was thinking, oh it's kind of a kind of a british accent so African british I guess but anyways uh so he's So he I, th- I think it's that he's he is the nutcracker in the story, and he's got he's got this makeup he had a bit of gold on the top of his lip that I kept I kept staring at, going, "What's going on there? Is that supposed to represent all of the the white the beard and hair you normally see on a nutcracker and He, uh, his character stands, uh, is st- standing uh, uh, once again is standing at a threshold, guarding a bridge. It's across a, a small river. I think it was. I think it was. It was winter as well, you know. And so here's this character, uh, you know, shivering in the cold, yeah, looking a little bit like those uh, guards at Buckingham Palace. You know, in the, in the red uh, jacket and the tall hat. And so, so there's another guardian, but there's also this question of, well, you know, how the, how the heck is, does that guard survive, you know, and there's got to be sort of a, a switch, you know, a changing of the guard occasionally. And I, I was thinking about you know food, warmth, or is this kind of a fairy tale kind of curse that they're supposed to stay there and stop people from crossing? It was a very cute moment where, when it's agreed that the crossing is going to happen, the the Nutcracker uh, does this clockwork kind of pulls this lever, couple levers, and. The, the bar that's stopping a person from crossing this border is lifted. It's just sort of a lot of work to to move this barrier. A lot of work, a lot of clockwork. When, you know, could it just be you know, lifted by hand? So, uh, other guardians that come to mind The two Guardian Sphinxes in the Never Ending Story. And I've I've read the Never Ending Story, but as as an adult, but I don't recall exactly the moment. I know that it you know it, it is through adaptation, the process. Of adaptation, that things get changed. But say that moment was not at the beginning. That was more uh, closer to the the end uh, of the story, going through trials and tribulations of of getting there. And so, uh, the position of the the guardian, and so I guess i 'm expanding it so it 's not just threshold, but it 's some kind of guardian, somebody who stands in the way, say like the the Grail Knight uh, in Indiana Jones. it was something like the third movie, I think third or fourth movie, you know, and we don 't see this guardian until. The very end we're in the third act of the story the lord of the rings seems to have a number of, of these that say you know passing through an area and you go and have to uh meet uh, these like say lothlorien that it's not just a matter of passing through and you know Oh, hey, hey, thank you very much. You know, for the safe passage, you have to go and meet these individu- individuals, have this encounter. And in Lothlorien, Lord of the Rings, it's Galadriel, this ancient elf queen, uh, who is using one of the three rings, but it's uh, being kept hush hush. And is is able to do things like say, um, tell the future. I I think as well that, or is it tell the future? But anyways, that she, that it was her. Um, I initially I thought, oh, it's this, it's this um, bird bath. It's this bowl of water that is magical but as i think about it it's that it's actually it's actually her and she's providing this test Uh, she's testing frodo and we we get a sense of her power but also her uh restraint that she you know she rejects the uh, the ring she can easily take it too, but you know she she knows that this will not be a good thing. So that was very interesting to see this uh, contradiction. You know that she's not a uh, one-dimensional or two-dimensional character. That that she has these this flaw. Uh, I suspect too that it's the ring that she has one of the three elven rings. And correct me if I'm wrong, but she, that uh, Sauron, made. So she has one of these. Uh, is it is it nine total, nine rings or? Or I, that might have been just the, the rings for uh, the mortal kings, the men. Anyways, that is a, another interesting. Guardian, and not and not necessarily a threshold guardian. That you know that that role that function can be moved around. Uh, the Griffin character that I'm currently working with is, uh, I, you know, how I'm planning it is that the treasure is more of an inner kind of treasure. That's the subtext, so the the treasure that we see it's not going to be gold, uh, or at least say that's not the true treasure. The kind of fool's gold might be there, but it really is you know fake you know the the gold is going to turn into stone, and you know coins will turn into lead. That kind of thing. Uh, and too, I haven't gotten there yet. I just have the notion of the character, the role that they serve in in the story. Uh, they they play uh, a referee. I came across this name. Uh, it's it's not really used that much. But the, it's stickler, and the stickler is a referee. It's still used in this bizarre game of shin kicking. And this is, if, I'm, if memory serves correctly, is happening northern England, uh, possibly Scotland. But for some reason I'm thinking uh, Yorkshire. And you know, it, it's also, you know, drinking is a part of this, of course because you know, who who would come up with this, this uh, you know, <laughs> you know, s- somewhat violent, you know, painful game of shin kicking, and then they'll have the stickler who you know is going around and making sure that everybody is uh, doing it uh, the right way. Is there a right way? <laughs> but then there's there's other um, you know s- somewhat violent games such as boxing. And so on and so forth. It seems to be part of our nature. But I, for me, uh, when I was thinking, you know, this is a great opportunity to use the word stickler and, and just say personally, I might be able to work in some kind of puns about shin kicking, right? That the griffin keeps talking about its shins or something like that. Don't come near my shins, right? <laughs> You must be shin-kicking me. Oh, the joy of writing and editing. So, and and this is another case of this character is like, throughout the story is is a guardian, to some degree. uh, Is guarding the rules of the game. And... And so we, we shall see. I shall see in the, how the first draft goes, because we're still in first draft land. This interesting cream-colored car, it's slightly vintage, just pulled up, and there's something bright and glorious about it because it's it's a bit overcast. It is overcast. But it's not um, doom and gloom overcast, right? It's uh, kind of an in-between day. And so this car just sort of went, reminded me. It's like looking around. It's like, oh, yeah, there's, there's really... A lot of the cars on the street are these muted colors. You know, and they don't, they don't really shine. And, and too, that's not quite... That's not quite right. It's just something about the color of of the car. Favorite car colors. uh, Emergency orange. Right? Or just anything that screams, you know, pay attention to me. I am inadequate. (laughs) I need this color. Hot pink. The, The bold and beautiful. Guardian's Uh, can take the role of, say, Gandalf. Gandalf is a great guardian figure, the mentor, you know, who's guarding the potential of the main character. And what I love about Gandalf, especially in The Hobbit, is that he'll take off, right? He'll sort of uh, help, help them out of a jam. And, you know, then he's... Looking ahead, you know what brought you back. Looking behind, uh, he's like a chef. He's he's got, you know, pots and stuff. Is baking and uh, you know pans. He's frying stuff. It, it's not just Bilbo and the dwarves. There's there's a lot of stuff going on. I think it was uh, one of the things was the the necromancer in The Hobbit that Gandalf actually gets caught and uh, we see that in the movie. We have this really nice moment where the eye of the dragon and uh, Sauron, uh, the, the, yeah, the eye of the dragon and the eye of Sauron are connected, that they, they have a shared kind of lineage. I quite appreciate that, for all of the arguments you might have against it, there's some really beautiful moments. Uh, and that I would say that would count as a leitmotif, you know, it uh, connects, there's this connection between uh, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit movies. so uh yeah guardians there's a bit of a trope um a cliche as far as the a trope as far as the mentor uh, character goes that so there's this oh it's it's the death of uh the mentor you know and it's It happens... It happens to Gandalf. We have a death and... But we have a rebirth. We have a... uh, The Obi-Wan Kenobi... In the first Star Wars movie. Which is what? Episode 4? And that's a that's an easy kind of out it's it's almost expected like say you have your the setup that you know oh you know we've, we're in, okay we're investing now in, in this wise old character you know and deep down you know that the payoff for that character is that their death will galvanize will strengthen and uh, motivate our main character uh, to the final confrontation. Uh, I, I've mentioned in another episode of this podcast that the, uh, a mentor character like uh, uh, Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Gandalf, there's a, there's a kind of uh, trickster quality to them that they invite the main character to leave the ordinary world and it's say, say they, they, they kind of butter up the person right, there's a bit of a con game going on, both of them things to go a certain way and the main character doesn't have a really clear idea he's sort of a vague idea of, of, uh, of what's going to go on and yeah, I, I, I like looking at that of sort of thinking of both, you know, this old Jedi Knight and then uh, Gandalf, who's like this kind of angelic uh, kind of being, Maiar, I think it's called. But that they that they truly are kind of a bit sly, a bit foxy, a bit um, strategic. You know that they. You know they're they're looking for for people they're looking but they're looking for a fodder too. They don't mind using people. You know, they have a they have a goal that they want to achieve and they are at peace with uh a kind of body count or a death toll, you know, that they're they're willing to sacrifice pawns or even um, you know, pawns and knights and towers Bishops, so it 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 adds some complexity to the character, you know. Instead of just the simple, uh, oh, you know, all this is a a wise and kind uh, character. It's good to it's good to look at the role that they're playing, kind of get into their backstory. Um, why, why, why go for these kind of young, inexperienced, um, people, you know, our, our main character, why on earth would you look for someone like that? Why not go to someone, you know, an experienced adventurer, right? You know, who's like, I don't know, level 30, you know, kind of superhero type, uh, Character, and I think the reason why is, you know, that it's part of the the strategy is finding someone who is malleable, uh, easily manipulated, or you know th- that they can you know be shaped in a direction. Um, in comparison with others, right? They sort of uh, oh, you know, I can use this person. And especially in the case of Gandalf, uh, I can see this, and and I love that notion, right? That they're they're not just the lovable old, uh, kind uh, (laughs) Santa Claus. You know, what's manipulative about Santa Claus? There's the perfect word. You know, manipulative. I think that. I think that that sums up the mentor archetype uh, quite well, or at least in the way I want to interpret the character. Uh, just shifting gears slightly, I, I, I just thought of uh, the gates of, of hell and cerebus and so it, it wouldn't be hell it would be Hades and you know it's it's not all lit up like a birthday cake uh, in, instead we have the spirits of the dead uh, we have we have a, a kind of a division like say of afterlife afterworld, you know the good, decent people go to Elysium, and then uh, less so, uh, the, you know, spirits that are, you know, damned or troubled by their life, uh, kind of like they're still, uh, it's just a different way of perceiving it than, see, we have now. But this three-headed dog, I think it's pronounced cerebus It's, it's, a, it's another case of who feeds the dog. you know I, I can I can see uh, I, I think a great example is my uh, my own guard dog. I, I, you know I'm owning this this poor creature, but uh, I think I'm going to name that dog Cerebus. Just for fun, hello, Cerebus! I got to remember this. Maybe I can give Cerebus like some you know a Christmas treat or something let 's be friends. Stop giving my guard dog food there 's a place there's a place that has these huge bones, and i 'm very tempted to. <clears throat> Show up at the front door with this you know one of these massive i don 't know thigh bones of a cow or something and, and you know merry christmas but that's that 's a question who feeds cerebus right the guard dog uh, of hell? why would you need a guard dog? Is it to stop people getting in <laughs> stop stop people from getting out uh, there's a whole process that doesn't quite make sense. Uh that would be an interesting kind of paper, an essay to write up. And you know, trying to figure out the whole mechanics of it. Actually, I'm just remembering, I have a guard you know, in the book that I did, Greyhawk, there is the pink policeman. And The Pink Policeman is in this sort of fog that is in between my fantasy world of Terrapin and Vancouver. And there's a couple ways to read the character. I had one writer say, you know, why the color pink? And for me, it has to do with uh, the policeman. And uh, I grew up uh, calling uh, policemen pigs. Uh, that was the the caliber of people (laughs) that I was growing up around. And there's a bit of play there. Uh, Pig in a poke. And a pig in a poke is this old uh, scam. Really it's a scam. uh, Meaning a trick. You play on somebody else. But it's a kind of fraud to get money. So I have a bag, inside the bag is a cat, I go up to someone, you know, and the cat is freaking out in the bag, and I say, you know, hey, would you like to buy a pig? And the person, you know, who doesn't open the bag, right, they're in for a surprise. And that's where you, you that's where we get the, term, the saying, the cat's out of the bag. You know, because the person buys this pig, you know, oh, I better not open the bag, takes it home. You know, gets ready to. Okay, I'm going to kill the pig now, and the cat leaps out. So I was, I was, I was punning with this, and so I have this policeman that uh, is pink, and there's there's the word pig, and I'm not sure how. I think eventually I'll have the policemen sort of unzip a costume and reveal that they are actually a cat, something like that. But but this character serves a purpose. They're um, a threshold guardian. This threshold is in the first act. It's it's first uh, couple chapters, maybe maybe two or three chapters, and then we get this pink policeman. So it is a threshold guardian, but the threshold is not at the end of Act One. I think this whole topic for me is about you know, just just because we have set, you know, archetypes. Oh, here we have the mentor archetype. The mentor doesn't have to be an old man or an old woman. I'd like to see more old women mentors though. But also too, I would like to see young characters and I would like to see uh, you know animals or say have, an, have a dragon that's a mentor uh, I'd like to flip it upside down too and, and you know the mentor doesn't have to die perhaps there is no death right through the whole the whole story but uh, my pink policeman is uh, guarding a border Uh, so it is very much a threshold and it's standing guard and checking passports making sure that the people who are uh, visiting the fantasy world you know, or leaving it that they are supposed to do you have the proper papers the visa do you have uh, do you have the passport other issues like say train tickets Things like that, and uh, it's an evolution as well, because uh, I've I've written all of the manuscripts for seven books, and as I was going through, I would make changes, right, and then I would come back to the first manuscript and I would I would make adjustments. Yeah, so it was. I'm just sort of th- thinking in, ahead and going. It's like, oh, okay, that's a you know, say my book. What about at the end of, of Acts, of Act One? And I believe that it has to do with uh, realizing that they have to find a particular character. And the threshold there uh, is at the end of Act One, the threshold is uh decision to go uh, pursue and find uh, the character with this information. And so it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a physical threshold. And the, the guardian in, in that case, for, for myself, had to do with, I believe it was the talking cat whose name is Bavard, and Bavard was saying that that uh, in a way Bavard acted as the threshold guardian, having this information and finally revealing it. Uh, that character is very, very, f- very fluid as far as morality goes, and it's, or at least I always felt like I was not sure whose side uh, Bovard was on. A- and two, kind of, kind of hooking up nicely with the manipulative uh, side of mentor characters, but Bovard is a terrible mentor character. Ish. He's helpful later, but it's all about his own uh, self-interest, which is strangely enough that does connect to Gandalf and Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know, they have self-interest, and I I really love looking at those characters like that uh, because it makes them more complex and. I think they called uh, Storm Raven or Storm Crow, and just these, this sort of uh, ill omen, harbinger of doom. Right, that that's that's how some people look upon uh, Gandalf. And then and then others, you know, sort of greet Gandalf and, and welcome him. And perhaps it's that they see Gandalf. Uh, they, they have an inkling. Of who he actually is. Right? That he is one of these may are. I'm not sure if. Knowing. His origins. Help. It almost. Further complicates. Because. He's assumed. Human form. And I am. Assuming That. Originally, he didn't look that way. Um, Perhaps he did look... He always looked human, but... I always imagined the mayor as being kind of like... Beings of light or something. And... That he sort of clothed himself... In a human disguise. I guess it answers why he survives the balrog but in in the in the world of middle earth it makes it makes say wizards unattainable that it would be impossible to do what gandalf does or did i love the notion of him as this traveling not a traveling magician but a sort of sideshow you know that he has this side business as uh, you know fireworks he's a, he's a part of celebration a part of the party and I love that notion of him sort of adds a, a quality to his character you know that he's not this sort of dim and dour and that actually, I think, does get captured in the movies, or at least in the um, Lord of the Rings, where we see this him participating in this celebration, you know on the side of Tom Bombadil so let 's think up some interesting variations of. Of, of mentors uh, mentors, guardians this, there is a bit of crossover there guardians of knowledge guardians of treasure they have something it could be something very um, simple such as the in order to complete their quest or their mission the this, uh, this guardian uh, has in their possession something that the main character requires so this is kind of narrowing down the, the role of the guardian and that uh, it, it could be said that the role of a particular character is you know, guardian that they have, they have this essential item Real or unreal, you know, a magical key, uh, a, an old song that they're singing. Um, the guardian could be uh, quite minor. What's called uh, weight and mask They they rise above the weight and mass characters. These background um, extras, almost who. Who provide weight and mass? You know, do you do you need hundreds of people to sort of create the illusion of an army? Uh, so it's a it's a it, it's a it's a nice way to encapul- encapsulate the purpose. Say of a character, right? What is it? what is their role, what is it that they can offer. <clears throat> besides the... Push, the wind... Bes- besides the... roles of say, secondary characters, who have this push and pull, you know, that they... it's almost like the, you know, these sort of two uh, spirits on the shoulders, That you know are saying you know go that way and then there's the arguing other side this tug of war. In in a sense you know they they are guarding. uh, They have polarity. They're also mentors, right? They have all this advice. uh, Go this way. Go that way. So I guess I'm I'm broadening now. I'm looking at this role as that each character has a a kind of polarity to them, and as well, each character has a bit is a bit duplicitous, you know, that they have two sides uh, to themselves. There is a point that everybody will sell out somebody else. You know, there is a point where. Whether it's, say, it's fear, or whether it's sort of greater good, you know, that somebody will say, okay, I've got to go, I've got to leave, to either, you know, to hide or go do the right thing. I don't know why, but I'm keeping you think- thinking of Star Wars and the sort of duality of uh, Luke and Leah. And just that they occupy opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, they're all talking about you know, operating different uh different experiences. You know, Han has had a completely different uh set of experiences, different outlook. They're they're all involved in doing somewhat the same uh adventure, but they are uh, pulling in different directions, so now it's summing it all up. One one part of the guardian is that there's there's a tradition that say when we have a character that's occupying a kind of guardian role, that it's recognized, the reader, the viewer person listening to the story. They will recognize the role. In theater, I'm thinking of Panto. Uh, there's actually, uh, in Vancouver, there's a Panto of Wizard of Oz. And you can see these, these roles at work. You have um, characters that are helping And hindering. uh, Leading astray. And then getting you back on track. And I think that the Guardian. Has uh, a bit of both. Uh, You know. That you can can load it. In different ways. You can have the Guardian. Suggesting. uh, Oh going in. You know such and such a direction. But that say arguing you know oh it'll be quicker right but the cost is leaving the path that the character was originally set on and doing so might seem advantageous at first but you know after after taking the route you know realizing that it's far more dangerous so it's quicker but more dangerous there's a bit of trickster quality to the guardian uh, getting getting the treasure is not necessarily a good thing the hobbit is a great example of that You know, uh, you know if they achieve their goal of getting the dragon's hoard uh, they haven't even figured out how to do that and it's like they're making it up as they go along I was always thinking that the dwarf uh, Thorin Oakenshield that he, he hadn't, maybe he didn't even think they would get that far right, but that it was important to do it perhaps blinded as well Uh, you know, just sort of like, okay, we've got to do this thing you know, it's like not even thinking about how how they're going to do it And then, and then, ending up with this sort of pseudo guardian of Gandalf, who's there half the time, and uh, shows up, you know, just in the nick of time. You you could argue that, say, the mentor role is offering the most important say uh, guardianship, the you know, sort of treasure and operating the threshold <clears throat> i 'm just imagining a a type of trickster character who delights in pretending to be a mentor you know and then um, you know, it reveals uh, that, you know, it's like, aha, actually I'm the trickster. You know, and I've uh, I delight in uh, involving people in these adventures. Uh, kind of like the, the ultimate dungeon master. That's from Dungeons and Dragons, who's a kind of a referee and who presents the, the story for the players. And then the players uh, participate and you know say what kind of actions they're going to take. But there's always a, a question there is, well, you know, who, who would do that? Who would sit down and not you know who who would sort of play all the monsters and villains and uh, the weight and mass characters and there's there's lots of people you know, that are of course writers interested in telling the story you know re- reading the story is not enough right they want to get in there and create this thing and Uh, there's a bit of devious there too because a done well story can change someone's mind make them cry, make them angry and in in a sense writers themselves are guardians of this tradition uh, the spark of storytelling it's a It's a beautiful thing. I can remember reading um, Tolkien when I was younger, just having this feeling that it was—it's like, wow, how did he do that? How did he get this sort of thing in my imagination? It's like the real world turns off for these moments while you're reading. It, you know, it might take a while, but eventually just get engrossed in the story. And isn't that the true treasure? Alright, thanks for listening. Take care. And keep up the great work.